Hail to the Pod is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they are able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. How good is that? You can't find that anywhere else. I love basketball, but I also love hip hop. So game time is the best way to get tickets for everything from sporting to your favorite concerts as well. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. alongside D'Angelo Hall and Ben Standing. We have a very special episode for you. The Athletic is rolling out an all-decade Redskins team going back to mm-hmm. 2010. So we're going to go around the room. We're going to discuss some of these yeah. picks. Maybe have a little debate. Let's ben do Standing. It. Ben, tell us a little bit about what went into this um, for The Athletic. Uh, while the athletic is broadly uh, doing all decade teams this week, all all the leagues, all the teams, and uh, obviously we got to get into the Redskins here. So uh, those of us who cover the team on the on the on the daily uh, for the athletic, we put up a sort of our own ballot, and then uh, my colleague Rainan Walker was tasked with uh, compiling it, and more importantly, she had to write the whole dang thing. Th- good, better her than me. And, uh, and and that'll be up this week. And, uh, you know, it's a, it was an interesting vote when I went through it because, you know, let's be real. This hasn't been the best of, of decades. And so to see some of the some of the positions were strong and some of the positions you're like, OK, that's kind of why things were a struggle for this decade. So uh, mm-hmm. it was an interesting, interesting debate uh, to, to, to figure out who may, who should make this team. So I will announce who the athletic picked. All right, so let's start with offense at quarterback. The Athletic has picked Kirk Cousins. I like that. I like Kirk. I think Kirk, um, you know, from just a stability standpoint, was probably the most stable of all the quarterbacks we had here. When I think about, you know, over that 10 years, Robert Griffin kind of showed flashes. And I say uh, stable, I probably meant consistent. Um because, you know, I guess they all were pretty stable at times. But I think the consistency thing, Kirk got a lot better and more consistent as his time went on. Um, he was known, at, known as a turnover king early in his, in his Redskins career. But, um, I mean, I like the Kirk Cousins. I mean, you can argue RG uh, because he won Rookie of the Year. He took him to a playoff um, berth. Same, same with with Kirk, but, um, you know, I think that's seven in a row RG won his rookie year, man. That, it was magical. Yeah, and before Cousins took over the starting job, Donovan McNabb, Rex Grossman, John Beck, yeah. and RG3 were the starters. I think RG3 would be um, who I would also argue 
Kirk Cousins obviously had more consistency and, you know, bigger body of work to evaluate. But RG3, I think just based off what he meant to this city and this area and this franchise in such a short amount of time was just unheard of. I mean, we've never really seen anything like that. Um, so that w- that's a tough one, I think. Uh, but I think, yeah, giving it to Cousins overall, um, he was named to the Pro Bowl in 2016. Uh, he put up some awesome numbers, helped them get to the playoffs. What do you think, Ben? In terms of what did I disagree with with this list, this is what I disagreed with, but not Kirk Cousins is the obvious answer if we're talking the decade, like you're looking at a, a body of work. But I think the more interesting way to have done this, nobody else agreed with me, or maybe it was too much work, but, but is to say what was the best season that anybody had in any of these positions? Oh, I think yeah, I'm with you. Because that quarterback that becomes a much more interesting conversation. Yeah. 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 Kirk, yeah. Cousins yeah. Was, Kirk Cousins had a better time with Washington. RG3's year to use the Larry Michael phrase was electrifying. So, I mean, yeah. I, I think that's a more interesting, but yes, Kirk cousins is the clear option based on the, on the time he had the consistency over those, over those three years as a starter, but RG three is one single season. If we went on that route, which we're not would be the one I would go with. Nah, Ben, I actually like doing what you said. Just take someone's best season or best performance and try to compile that for, for, for a team. Um, I just don't know if any position I would change probably besides quarterback when I think about it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't change any other position. I would probably insert RG3 running that style of offense and doing that um, in that time and in that era. Uh, probably over Kirk Cousins, I would. But, I mean, there ain't too many other positions I would, you know, I would take that I so- would change. I really do like Ben's point about bringing yeah. up the season because that would eliminate a lot of my headaches yeah. putting together my own yeah, list. About, I know, because at the end of the day, if it's a decade, <laughs> it's just about who played there the longest, right? Right. Or who, yeah, yeah who had who, the best who season the over numbers. a longer period of time. But then think about it. We're, we're now on the running back position. There's a few. If, you're, if we were just going by one season, there's a few players – that I would I put mean, in there. honestly, Aaron, Aaron, who would you take honestly besides maybe Adrian Peterson? And he did that last year. Well, Chris Thompson had a good season. Clint uh, Mortis, Alfred uh, Morris. Alfred uh, Morris is who the Athletic gave it to. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have gave it to Alfred. 1,500 yards as a rookie, 1,300 the year after. I don't think Portis from 2010 to, you know, had – Oh, I'm trying to think of when his last season was. <laughs> yeah, you're going back too far. You thinking a whole seven, six, five? Yeah. Um, Maybe I need my head examined. Yeah, hey, Ben, who do you like? Who do you like doing it your way? We'll name theirs the way that they did it, and then we'll name ours doing it your way because I like your way much better. Oh well, uh, I I appreciate that. I, I'm my. Uh, my, my, I don't know if I've had enough coffee today to, to, to work my brain cells that hard. But uh, <laughs> in, ter- in terms of running back, I mean, yeah, the, Al- the Alfred Morris year, that, that particularly his rookie year with RG3 was also, you know, pr- pretty, pretty outstanding. And, uh, you know, once Alfred Morris kind of faded off is when things started to go south. The Matt Jones experiment didn't oh work out. Oh, my gosh. Yep. You know, yep. Rep, rep, you know, I, I love Pat Rob, but, you know, he's kind of just a guy. And 
uh, ultimately. And, and, and you know, Sabage P. Ryan. Right. I mean, they really have kind of struggled. That's what makes, you know, going towards the next decade, it's what makes Darius Guy so interesting. That's another conversation. But yeah, Alfred Morris, I think, you know, is, is the clear answer. I mean, his, his backstory, you know, the, the guy that nobody heard of driving that busted car that was 100 years old and then coming in and being a guy who just, you know, back to a conversation we had in a previous podcast where the coaching staff looked at the pieces they had and worked towards those talents rather than try to shoehorn those players into their system. And it worked great for Alfred Morris. It was a guy that you know was way off the radar and turned into a, you know, a strong running back you know, pretty quickly. All right, moving on. Wide receivers, Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson, and Santana Moss. Oh, my God. If I could put all three of them jokers out there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That offense. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, I and mean, Terry hey, McLaurin. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't quite put him on that list just yet. I was gonna argue Jamison Crowder, but if I had, if I had to guard Jamison Crowder, Santana Moss in the slot, I, I don't want Santana Moss. So, with that being said, Santana definitely has my slot uh, position over Jamison Crowder. But I love it, D. Jack Pierre. I mean, man, when we lined up with them two dudes out there, that's who Kirk need to be thanking because. Them dudes made yeah, his job a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Can I make an argument? And obviously, we we have lots more positions to get to. Can I make an argument that Pierre Garcon was maybe the most underrated player for this decade for this team? Because I, I always view it as it's third and eight. Do I have a receiver on my team I can throw the ball to? I can't always. I can't. That's not a Deshaun Jackson play. I got to move the chains. That dude Pierre Garcon, time and time again would be that guy who would make those kinds of plays, the tough plays, but he would also be able to go down the field. You know, he obviously wasn't like at the quite Pro Bowl elite level, but he was just such a solid, tough guy. I feel like he gets kind of yeah. in the conversation nah, about the best players this decade. No, nah, you, you're absolutely right, Ben. If I had to, uh, you know, if I had to start a football team, Pierre Garçon is a dude I want on my team every single time. Um, he doesn't shy away from a fight. And he he brings it every day, even in practice. This was a dude who, over his career here, never missed a practice. Not a game. I mean, never missed a practice. Went hard, ran every route to the best of his, his ability. Um, I mean, just a consummate professional, man. I mean, I love playing with him. You're right. Definitely most underrated dude on this list, hands down. Because that, that shit, hell, RG's rookie year, he led the league in catches. And we was pissed he didn't make it to the Pro Bowl because he should have. All right, up next, tight end, Jordan Reed. Oh, yeah, we ain't got nothing to say, man. That's that's the consensus first ballot. <laughs> yes, I mean, absolutely. Come on. come on, we can keep going, Jay Reed. Go, go ahead. Oh, Tony Bergstrom is making a good, good, good strong case. <laughs> <laughs> that was a blocking tight end. <laughs> Who was, yeah. was, I like that. All right, let's go to the offensive line. Left tackle, Trent Williams. Left guard, Corey Lichtensteiger. Um, center, Will Montgomery. Right guard, Brandon Sheriff. Right tackle, Morgan Moses. Any oh, disagreements I, here? No. I love it. And I love that they took the Corey Lichtensteiger that played guard and not center because that allows you to put Will Montgomery, who played with me at Tech, at center, and he was a dog. Now, you put him, Corey, Trent, Sheriff and Morgan out there. Oh man, if we ever could have made that happen. Oh my goodness. 
Now, like, it I does you, mean that we had to leave my son devil, Sean Laval, off. Though. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. That's that okay. Sacrifices. Sacrifices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Spencer right, Long right. probably could have made a case. If, if It depends what kind of run game we wanted. See, guys, that's why it's about scheme. If I'm doing a smash mouth Adrian Peterson type of game and I want to get that dude to just – and I want my O-line to blow you off the ball – Corey might not make it, and I might have to throw uh, Spencer Long to guard uh, or Will Montgomery. Because if you talk about – because Corey was more of a finesse guard who worked really well um, in the Shanahan zone blocking scheme. If, if we go in smash mouth, Corey's probably the only one that I would sub out for, uh, for Spencer Long. But other than that, man, I love, love my O-line. All right, let's move on to the defense. Defensive ends, Jonathan Allen and Matt Ioannidis. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, we giving it to guys who only played two years in Jonathan Allen. I, I think he 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 deserves to be on this list. But man, I, I would have found a, a, a spot some somehow for just athletic ability. A guy like Albert Hainsworth, you know, and I don't know because sometimes three four are, are, are difficult because sometimes we play Chris Baker at end, sometimes we play them at tackle, sometimes we play uh, you know other guys at end and tackle. They kind of you know moved all around. So um, I mean, but I like Chris Baker. I like Ioannidis, Jonathan Allen. I think if you if I think if you put Jonathan Allen on this list you probably should go ahead and put Deron Payne on this list, um, mm. you know, and maybe take take Chris Baker out, even though when he was when he was rolling, man, he was rolling. I think of that one year he had, what, eight, nine sacks? Well, don't get ahead of yourself here. I mean, there may be some swaggy action at defensive tackle. No, nah, you're right. You're right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he had, <laughs> you know, he had some good – he had some good times here. I, I, I can't remember Bake playing – um, like consistently a whole lot, but I think, uh, you know, two years. What are your thoughts, Ben? Well, I, I, I mean, I know I'm sure D'Angelo's probably had some hotter takes, but the, even the mentioning of Albert Hainsworth in a positive <laughs> way is uh, interesting. <laughs> you played with That's the guy why I, I laughed. Yeah, I mean, that, I that, mean, that, that, it, it, if I'm putting the game together and I just and I need some dudes to go and we talk about a dude who can go. Is Albert Hainsworth. It's the bottom line. He didn't get along with with, with, with Mike Shanahan. And I can't 100% blame him. I know everyone in the media blames him. Um, and even as a teammate, I was a little pissed off because I'm like, dude, we give you 100 mil. Play whatever the hell we tell you to. Like, shut up. But as a dude who, you know, if a coach tells me, hey, you're going to be the starting corner and well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you play this trap coverage where you're going to get to go jump some routes and make some plays. I'm like, hell yeah, coach, sign me up. And then another coach comes in and say, all right, scrap that. You ain't jumping nothing. You ain't making no plays. I just want you to sit back here and play cover two, just sit in the flats. And that's essentially what you're asking Albert Hainsworth to do from playing a 4-3 defensive tackle, three technique, penetrate, be aggressive, be Warren Sapp, to uh, go play a three, four nose and just hold up the middle like Vince Wilford. No more sacks for you, buddy. Like Casey, uh, Casey, hey, uh, Casey Hampton in, in Pittsburgh. No more sacks for you, though, homeboy. Sorry. And like I said, we live in a generation where guys want validation. It's not yeah. about the team. Even though I got $100 million in the bank, it ain't about the team. It ain't about helping y'all win, so dog. I got to get my sacks. 
Back to what we were talking about on the last episode about coaches catering to their personnel. Do you think the Redskins yeah. messed that Hainsworth situation up? Well, well, they messed it up because when they brought in, when they wanted Albert Hainsworth and they brought him in, they should have known the kind of defense they wanted to play. And they should have known that Albert Hainsworth would not have liked to play that, did not want to play that. He wanted to go to a 4-3. That was his biggest thing in free agency. And we were running a 4-3. We were top 10 defense before we changed to a 3-4 and brought in uh, Jim Haslett. So, you know, we were a 4-3 playing Greg Williams' defense, but it was run by Greg Blosh, who was Greg Williams' top assistant. Um, Mm -hmm. And he got the D coordinator job. And so, yeah, Albert Hainsworth played in a 4-3 his first year and made plays. It was when we went to a 3-4 that, that, you know, the whole disconnect. So, I'm just saying, if I'm going off of talent, Damn it, I want the most talented player. I'll coach him up. Give me Hainsworth. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. And I I totally agree with you about the whole Hainsworth thing, and it connects with what we discussed previously in another episode with Josh Norman. Uh, But in terms of – I am curious about this. I agree with you to an extent that, like, it's probably a bit early for Jonathan Allen and maybe even Ioannidis. But then you you look look back to what else they had. You know, Chris Baker had some success, and you had – you know, yeah. what, Stephen Pia, Jason Hatcher. Yeah, Stephen Pia, uh, Stephen Pia, Jason Hatcher. You had Barry Cofield. You had uh, uh, the other uh, Stephen um, who came from Dallas. Uh, gosh. Uh, Stephen Bowen. Stephen Bowen. I'm like, oh, dang, yeah. how am I forgetting Bo? And so, yeah, it was some other guys, but I'm not mad. I take those two guys. If we're talking from a talent, who can just go get it? That's why I said, heck, I don't even probably put Deron Payne if we want to just keep it all new, new age. New school. Just, just for fun, nobody's listening. If you had to pick Allen or Payne, who would you pick? Not for the decade, just like uh, going forward even. Like who, which of those two, if you had to pick one of them? I think they're two different kind of players, man. I think we grouped them as the same player because they went to the same school. But Allen is a run stopper who can get pressure. Deron Payne is a pass rush defensive tackle. So I want a pass rush defensive tackle because I'm trying to find another Aaron Donald. And so mm. I'm taking pain, um, but Allen is a hell of a football player, and I love the leader he is. Um, but just go get it. Yeah, it's probably Deron Payne. So we already kind of touched on this a little bit, but at defensive tackle, the athletic has Chris Baker slight edge over Barry Cofield. I ain't mad at him. I'm mad at All him. Right. All, All right. right. Let's go. Who we got next? Outside, Outside linebackers. linebackers, Ryan yeah. Kerrigan and Brian Arakpo. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to talk much about this. I mean, <laughs> who else Pretty you going to put? Exactly. The only guys who've made Pro Bowls on this team, and you know, on this defense consistently is Brian Arakpo when he wasn't hurt. The only reason they traded Brian Arakpo um, was because he kept getting hurt. The dude played mm-hmm. four years here or five years here, I think. The three years he played, three Pro Bowls. The two years he he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I said that the other way. How many years did he play here? Three or uh, four or five? I'm just saying the years he, he didn't make the Pro Bowl, it was because he was injured with like a season-ending injury. I think he had two pec surgeries. Um, the other two years he played, Pro Bowls. Um, and then he left in free agency. But, I mean, he was a – you know, when him and Ryan Kerrigan were teamed up and Ryan was young – uh yeah, them two dudes played hard. And Ryan Kerrigan, obviously, he's about to take over the sack, uh, the all-time sack record for the Redskins. So he's definitely on this list. 
All right, then who do you think the athletic pick D Hall for inside linebackers? I mean, London Fletcher is obviously on that list, even though when was his last game? Yep, he is. Okay. I don't know when his <laughs> last game was. Uh oh my goodness. The other the other he linebacker kicked off the spot. decade by making three straight Pro Bowls. Okay. All right. Yep. There you go. Yeah, so All London right. definitely is on that list. I, I I don't know. I don't know who the other linebacker could be. I mean, it it, it was a couple really good ones. Um Perry Perry Riley was really yep, good. That's it. Um Keenan Allen was not Keenan Allen. Oh, it was Perry. I'm like Keenan. What's Keenan Robinson was was <laughs> Keenan pretty good. Allen. I know Keenan Allen. I'm thinking the receiver. <laughs> I love uh, it. Mason, yep. even Mason uh Foster could have probably been on that list somewhere. Will Compton played pretty good. I don't know if he's played good enough to make this team, but you know, a little bit of a revol- revolving door at that position too. If we base it only on the game against Detroit, Cole Holcomb would make this team, but I guess uh, he, he did ball. <laughs> he did ball. <laughs> I love it. All right, next position. Cornerbacks. Mm. Woo! Mm. Should I just mm. jump right in? Yeah, just jump right in. I don't D'Angelo know. I played with a lot of dudes. Okay. All right. Freeland. All right, all right, and I like that. I, and, and I like, I like it too. I, I like it because Breland was probably another one of the most underrated players, um, definitely on this list. Uh, you know, Breland was a six-round pick and was my backup the year I tore my Achilles. And so Breland wasn't supposed to play at all. He was supposed to just sit back and learn. Um, and as a six-rounder, we were like, man, this kid got some time and got some game. And – it was it, it was rough on him because, you know, he faced some really good players. He faced Odell Beckham as a rookie, I think. Um, I think he faced uh, Dez Bryant. Um, you know, so he had to go out and fight from the jump. And yep. I, I loved his game. I loved his fight. You know, I think the disconnect and what really got Breland up out of here was when we brought in Josh Norman. Um Josh would make the same mistake Breland make in practice or in a game, and you would hear nothing when it came to coaching to Josh. And you would hear Breland, oh, like the like the world's about to end, like the sky's falling down, like we're losing because it's Bree. And I hated that because I was always the type of dude that you treat everybody the same, or you go hard as hell at the dude who getting paid the most money because you know when the standard is higher for him, everybody else is gonna fall in line. Um, and we didn't do that, and I, I understood why Breland was pissed um, and why it didn't work out. But, I, I mean, I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I don't I don't think there's nobody else so I would put up there. Breland's competition, Quentin Dunbar and Josh Norman, um, they kind of broke down the numbers here. Breland had 268 tackles, 60 passes defended, eight interceptions, one for a touchdown. Um, Dunbar, 132 tackles, 32 passes defended, eight interceptions, one fumble, recovered in one sack in five seasons. Norman, 233 tackles, 43 passes defended, seven interceptions, eight forced fumbles, two recovered, and a sack in four seasons. So they gave the nod to Breland. On the other side, D'Angelo Hall had 427 tackles, 63 passes defended, 17 interceptions, three return for touchdowns, eight forced fumbles, seven recovered. Let me cut 
<laughs> I was going to say, let me cut you off, Aaron, before you get to eight seasons. Because, like, I joke with my kids and everybody who tells me I'm, I'm, I might make the Hall of Fame. I'm like, dude, I'm not. The last, last four years of my career, I didn't get an interception. I was the youngest dude, the 30 interceptions, the youngest dude, the 40 interceptions. Um, the last four years of my career, I literally AC, uh, Achilles one year, turf toe the next year, ACL the next year. And I came on P. I started a year on PUP and played one and a half games. And so you look at those numbers and don't give me eight seasons. Give me four because I did those numbers in four. I literally did not make an interception since I tore my ACL or since I tore my Achilles back in, gosh, I don't even know how long ago that was. But I was pretty darn good if you sit there and say four years because it was really four years, Aaron. And Ben, you know. I did not do. I did not make chime a play. In, ben, chime in. I, well, I did not I, make I a think... play after that. Besides the scoop fumble in Philly to seal the game, you know, to cap the game. But other than that, it's uh, you're a humble man to say you don't think you're going to get in the Hall of Fame. I would say there is one way for you to get in, and that is make Jay Cutler a Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I tell people all the time. I wish I could have played that clown more than uh, more than more more times. Gosh, if I was in Green Bay, you should have drafted me, dog. Green Bay, if you'd have drafted me, man, I'd have been I'd have been eating, I'd have been killing that dude. But uh, that's funny. all right. Come on, we got the safeties now. Who we got at safety? All okay, right. One, one, I just have one quick question. I apologize. The, the, uh, Breland and Norman. I get that, like Breland, like you're saying, like maybe he didn't get away with some of the same things that Norman did. But to your earlier point about just straight up talent with Hainsworth. I mean, Josh Norman did come in having a great season with Carolina. Maybe they didn't use him appropriately in Washington. Who do you think was the actual just better corner, Josh Norman or Breland? It depends what I'm asking them to do. And I'm thinking of the defenses we had here in Washington. And they were they were catered to Breland. Um, I think if we played a different style of defense, you're absolutely right. Jaden O had an inept ability to knock to punch that ball out forcing turnovers. He was aggressive in the run game. Um, you know, he played really good in zone. He had, you know, he had ball skills, uh, but he just wasn't, you know, he's not a man-to-man corner. And so, you know, in crunch time, a lot of these defenses we played on, it was lock up and go play man. It wasn't necessarily um, try to out-scheme guys. If I had a great coach who could put us in position, yeah, maybe maybe I would take Josh Norman over Breland just because you're right. If I'm if I can throw Hainsworth in and stay the case for him, you can damn sure throw uh, Josh Norman in, and I and I'm gonna say yeah, you're right. All right, on to safeties. Um, this goes to a guy who talked a lot, but he did back it up. DJ Swearinger and Brandon Merriweather. Mm, I like it. I like it. Um, you know, LeBron Landry was a, was a darn good player here for a little while. Um, you know, I, I played pre-2010, so I don't I can't really recall if I'm thinking of plays he made pre-2010 <laughs> or not. Uh, but LeBron was a really good player. Um, uh, Reed Dowdy. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I know. I was just telling you guys a story. Um, Reed took over for, for uh, Sean Taylor, um, you know, right after Sean got murdered. And, you know, every year we went in with a different – playing at safety uh and and somehow reed always made his way on the field he was just a great special teams player a great teammate you know a guy who was legally deaf and wore hearing aids 
didn't make any excuse. If he didn't get the call, he made it a point to know everyone's job. So it didn't matter if he didn't get the call. He knew what the hell was going on from everybody else around him. And so, um, like, you know, and, I, and I've joked Reed before saying, like, you know, when he's made a mistake, don't worry about it. And I feel bad now as a, as a, as an older player who understands um, how this game is played and just not a cocky guy anymore. You know, I've told Reed several times. When, uh, I, I know this one time in particular, and it really hurt Reed's feelings. And I apologize after the fact, but um, you know, he made a mistake, and he could—he knew he let me down. Um, and you can see it on his face. And instead of me building him up as a teammate and a leader, and I, and I wasn't a leader at the time. I didn't have a seal on my chest, which doesn't excuse the fact that I told him. I said, "Hey, don't worry about it. You're not going to be out here week one anyway, bro. So you do whatever you know, whatever." Cause I was so mad about the mistake because it was a simple one instead of building them up. Um, but Reed was definitely one of my best teammates and probably one of the best safeties I've, I've ever played with. Um, and, I, and I feel bad. I'm even sharing this story, but um, gosh, man, I, I love playing with Reed out. And he is a guy that I actually, um, you know, if we really put this to a vote and, and, and polled a thousand folks, I think Reed probably could, could sneak on this list at, at the safety position. Mm. Okay. Any thoughts, Ben? Well, I would just say, like, I think of all the positions, to me, this one, I think, maybe was the weakest of of the bunch. I mean, no disrespect to the two people that we picked, but, like, you know, DJ Swearinger, you know, was solid, but he was barely here two years. He got, you know, cut at, towards the end of his second year, and, you know, he was he was better than things they had at the position, but it wasn't like he was some some world beater and Brandon Merriweather, I believe he had a Pro Bowl, but like you know he was the guy that was always getting like personal fouls, whether that was he was just being uh, s- singled out by the refs or not. Like it, like he was fine, but like I mean I, I feel like this was the, the one where like there wasn't like an obvious one or two people like t- to the thought earlier of like who had the best seasons at, at this uh, uh, during this decade rather than cumulative. It's hard for me to look at either scenario. I don't know if anybody had some great seasons or nobody stayed around long enough to have a great career as a Redskin. And, and I think it's, yeah. a, it, it, it's it's a position that's been a struggle. And to some degree, it maybe have led to the guy who would probably be on this next decade, assuming he's, you know, nothing changes, and that's Landon Collins. They finally decided rather than keep papering over this position, they went and spent big money to get a, a young guy who, you know, has got pro bowl level talent because they've had so many struggles there. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it, it sparked my move to safety um, because it was, you know, a revolving door at safety Ben. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. And kudos, man. I think, I think Landon Collins would definitely be on this list. I think he makes this list just off talent playing one season and, and, and us not even yeah. having a full season um, of seeing him. He's still on this list. I think you're right. <laughs> Good point, Ben. Love that. All right, let's move on to kicker, Dustin Hopkins. It was a tough choice between Hopkins and Kai Forbath, but we're going with Hopkins here. Yeah, and I mean, not much to talk about. I think Kai had a better career when he left here, and it always seems to happen like that. I played with, like, Sean Sweezum, and it's like, dude, you couldn't make a kick for us. You go to Pittsburgh, and you play seven (laughs) years and don't miss one. (laughs) Same with Graham Gano. I think Graham Gano could probably be on this list, too. He missed a couple kicks for us when we really needed him. Next thing I know, he's had a great career in Carolina uh, before, uh, you know, I don't know if he got hurt, but he's not the kicker there now. Um, But, and so... Yeah, it's it's Duskin. It's D Hop all day, and the dude probably dances 
better than he kicks the ball, believe it or not. <laughs> All right, punter Tress Way. Really no explanation needed on that one. And hands down, hopefully he's a pro bowler. Shout out Tress Way. I love you, dude. Yes. All right. He's leading the league in average punt yards with 48.9. And then finally, long snapper Nick Sunberg. I love uh, it. I love I'll it. just say on Go. this one, when I told Tress Way we were doing this list, he goes, you better make sure you have a long snapper on there uh, because Nick Sunberg will get offended. And I'm like, yes, sir, whatever you want. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, let me, I mean, look, literally, there is no other option. Nick, other than Trent Williams, I mean, he and Trent Williams are the only two guys that were here the whole decade. And obviously, Trent Williams wasn't actually here this this year. So Nick Sundberg is is the literally the only answer for this. Uh, you know, uh, I guess what, I love uh, that. Sean Johnson, I like it. I like Sean Johnson's husband has played here for a couple of games technically, but other than that, Nick Sundberg <laughs> is literally the only answer for this. <laughs> We saved the best for last. We didn't forget you, Nick. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. That was really fun. I really had fun with that. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Yes, yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys eat a lot of turkey and ham. Hold on. I got one question. Ben, What's are up? you a turkey guy or a ham or a ham guy? Um, I'm a bar mitzvah boy, so it's pretty much turkey all the way from All me. right. Okay. All right. All right. I like that. And what about you? Turkey ham. Gosh, that's a good question. Ooh, I like both. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I don't know if I can choose. Like a little of both? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. If I had to pick one and just suffer the fate of dry turkey or fried turkey all the time, I probably would just not eat it. So I'm a both too myself. So Okay. All right. Gotta have awesome. Both. Well, thank you so much to everyone who listened to our all-decade team podcast special episode. We really appreciate all of our followers on The Athletic. Ben Standing of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Ben Standing. He'll be all over the Redskins and the Wizards this season. Thank you for everything, Ben. We always love having you. Hey, I appreciate the run. I've been, you know, working hard all all season to uh, get in shape for this podcast. So uh, <laughs> appreciate you. Appreciate Flex you guys. those muscles. All, all right. right. All right. So we'll see you after the holiday. Yeah, guys. Hold on. Hold on. Out.